Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. We are recording across multiple tools. Oh my God, every platform. (laughs) Hello, Kate. (laughs) Hello, Dominic. Fancy seeing you here. I know. We, we, We exist in the same time and place and space, but not really. I don't believe it. (laughs) <laughs> tell us about the grampians how was your trippity trip trip oh my goodness it was so cool i went there and um i hiked i did a couple mm. of hikes which was nice i'm not usually a sort of a hikey person but uh i did do hiking and it was lovely and it's nice to kind of push yourself and do something different but i did uh take a little some little videos because the accommodation i was in is going to slot in nicely with an episode that I'm going to do in the not so distant future about uh, hotel nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I love the th- I love this theory for this this story, Kate. And yes, it's going to be great. I love it so much that I have also tried to come up with a story for this week's episode that might slot in quite nicely with it as well. Oh, my God. Perfect. Yeah. Layers. There are fucking layers to this. We're onions, baby. <laughs> but you had a good holiday. How are you doing? I did. I had a good holiday. Yes. And I'm still on school holidays now, which is good. I went to the doctors today, got my physical, my checkup, my annual checkup uh, from the neck up. All seems well. Um, <laughs> who's, who's to say? They've taken all of the fluids. So whatever. But everything from the <laughs> neck down. Sell on the black market. Yeah, everything from the neck down seems to be fine. Neck up, still jury's out. There was about, I mean, when they did, they did some like cognitive testing and then all of a sudden there was like 10 people in the room and they were all like clipboards and lab coats um, <laughs> writing things and seeming very interested in me. Uh, but I think that's normal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I will, yeah. I will get you out of the hospital if they commit <laughs> you. That was our deal, remember, from episode Help two. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I'm blinking ten times. <laughs> no, that won't do you any good. <laughs> no, it really won't. They'll be like, oh, she's sensitive to the lights again. Turn the lights off. <laughs> How are you going, Dominic? I'm good. I'm a bit fluey, I think, but it's, oh, no. I don't know, it's it's winter in Melbourne, so everything is yeah. just quiet miserable. and cold and miserable and everyone's a little yeah. bit at the moment, so. I hear that. There was a bit of sunshine today, though, which <laughs> fooled me into going outdoors. Uh, it was still freezing. Yeah. It was about six or seven degrees Celsius all day, but the sun was out, so it was like, yeah, I can wear shorts and <laughs> sandals, no worries. No. No. no you cannot. No. Those nips will... F- Freeze off. Yes. And you need them, That was the other thing. That's the other thing the doctors were looking at. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. It's me. Yes. We don't have a boo pod um, of the week because. We've exhausted our resources. We have. We've we've featured every single person. So, I don't know. We might have to think about how we um, 
you know, do we do them again? Do we do something different? Uh, I reckon we do something different. And this is us brainstorming everyone. You're getting a, an insight into our uh sort of ideas we'll just come up with them on the spot yeah um we could even do like some mini reviews of episodes from our boo pod network and you know we can do like a little hook for everybody and be like hey i listened to this episode this week and it's this and it was really neat uh so just keep that keep the love going yeah absolutely we we love our boo pod network it's been such a fun time with them and we're not going anywhere we just we got to start thinking of something new to do so stay tuned for that that's right. Um, and we've got a brand new patron as of today, Kate. Woo-hoo. Amazing. Woo-hoo. I, that was a bit like uh, Rihanna singing then. You're you're amazing. Oh, yeah. And I am Rihanna, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was trying to think of another song she did, but I, I struggled. What does she do? She's done another this, Rihanna song. There's lots yeah, she's of done songs. Heaps. What does she sing? Well, she's not Umbrella, Ella, Ella, hey, <laughs> yeah. there we go, I got one. Okay, thanks everyone for screaming at your <laughs> headphones then going, she does heaps, she does so, so many songs. Well, let's do a big shout out to our new patron, Jessica Taranto, my sister. <gasps> I was about to say, any relation? Yeah, she is. Uh, so happy to have her on board as another one of our brickies. So we shouted her out her last week on our socials already, so it's kind of like we, we preemptively knew that she was going to sign up. Double whammy. I mean, she was one of the ones that you lured into your trap, mm-hmm. um, which we set up in uh, Lala, which is the family property out in the middle of nowhere. So that's how we're getting new patrons is we're just, it's sort of a, some would say threatening, but those people <laughs> don't have an open mind. So, <laughs> And what's a bit of threatening between family? Like, come on. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's get into this week's epi because I've got quite a... Fun little ride for you, Kate Wilkinson. I'm so excited. Bring it on. And I can't give it give it away too much because I've got a little surprise for you at the end. Ooh. So uh, this week I'm going to revisit some of my greatest hits. Oh my gosh, yes. Greatest hits album. Right? Some of the things that you know that I love doing stories on, like, you know, a little bit of cannibalism, a little yep. bit of grave robbing, Tick. Some, you know, murder mystery, all sorts of Love goody it. stuff in there. So, yeah. Um, and like we hinted at earlier, you've got a, a, an episode coming up around motels and hotels. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, there's a few breadcrumbs, Easter eggs in that little brief that I've given. So, let's see if you can guess the big surprise at the end of the story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. You're pregnant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. Pregnant with doubt, guilt, all the usual. <laughs> That's okay. I was tested for those today, actually. <laughs> I checked all the boxes. I had 100%, which I don't know if that's good or bad at the doctors. Got an areola for each of them. <laughs> okay. Let's get oh, into me. it. So let me Please. introduce you to Edward Theodore Gein. Teddy. Teddy. How are you going? Teddy Gein. Now, he was born in August 27th, 1906, but he is also known as the Butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul. Ooh. Mm. That's a good title. Yeah. Does he, do you think he would have put that on his business cards? Yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. Right? Oh, of course. Now, he was an American killer and a body snatcher. Now, Gein's crimes committed around his hometown of Plainfield, Wisconsin, 
gathered widespread notoriety in 1957 after authorities discovered he had exhumed corpses from local graveyards and fashioned trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. No. Yeah. Gein also confessed to killing two women, tavern owner Mary Hogan in 1954 and hardware store owner Bernice Warden in 1957. Oh, Bernice. Yeah, we're jumping straight in here. None of this, like, small... Yeah, we're not going to... No, he was born here and did this and went to the local church and the local grocery store. No, Bernice, dead. All right, now Gein was initially found unfit to stand trial and confined to a mental health facility, which we've done an episode on. Mm-hmm. By 1968, he was judged competent to stand trial. He was found guilty of the murder of Warden, but he was found legally insane and was remanded to a psychiatric institution. Perfect. Now, that is, that's, Warden is the surname of the first victim, is that correct? Uh, the second that's one, Bernice second. Warden. Bernice, that's right. Yeah. Not the actual warden of the prison. That's right, correct. Okay, good. He later died at Mendota Mental Health Institute of Respiratory Failure on July 26, 1984. He made it all oh the way God. to age 77. July 26, you know that's a special day. I know. Oh, my God. Ex-Australian Prime Minister John Howard was born on that day. <laughs> So was I. <laughs> There's so many Easter eggs. I'm about to take okay. you on such a journey, Kate. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay, so he was 76. 77. 77, yeah. And he is buried next to his family in the Plainfield Cemetery in a now unmarked grave. Mm. Is that so people didn't double down and rob his grave? You will hear oh my all God. about it. Yes, bring it on. <laughs> so let's go back in time, shall we? To Gein's childhood, because you know they're always so great childhoods yeah. of people, yeah, especially such as... of people that rob graves yeah. and just kill people for no reason. I always find they have a nice, healthy childhood, yeah. no trauma, no problems. Exactly, and no different with Gein. Now, he was born in La Crosse County, Wisconsin, on August 27, 1906. He was the second of two boys of George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmine. Gein had an elder brother named Henry George Gein, uh, who lived from 1901 to 1944. Oh, he was young. Yeah, young one. Now, Augusta hated her husband. He was an alcoholic who was unable to keep a job. He had worked at various times as a carpenter, tanner and insurance salesman. George owned a local grocery shop for a few years but sold the business and the family left the city to live in isolation on a 155 acre, 63 hectare, farm in the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, which would become the Gein family's permanent residence. Nice. Now, Augusta took advantage of the farm's isolation by turning away outsiders who would have influenced her sons. And Gein only left the farm to attend school. So, you know. Right. Yeah. Okay, so no (laughs) socialisation. I mean, we even know that with puppies. Like, puppies need socialisation. Yeah. So they don't, like, bite other dogs and people. Exactly. Same for kids. (laughs) You're a teacher. You know all about this. Don't ask me. Don't. Please don't. I really struggle with the basics. But I'm employed. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Now, outside of school, Gein spent most of his time doing chores on the farm. 
Augusta was fervently religious and nominally Lutheran. She preached to her boys about the innate immorality of the world, the evil of drinking. Cheers, Kate. Mm-hmm. And her belief that all women, apart from herself, obviously, were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil. True. She reserved time every afternoon to read to them from the Bible, usually selecting verses from the Old Testament and Book of Revelation concerning death, murder, and divine retribution. Excellent. That's always, I find as a bedtime story, please tell me about divine retribution. (laughs) I will sleep soundly. It's like a bestseller, really. The Bible never hurt anybody, did it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a whole year of episodes. (laughs) Now, Gein was shy and classmates and teachers remembered him as having strange mannerisms, such as seemingly random laughter, as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. Oh, what's wrong with that? We do that all the... That is literally what this podcast is, is audio recordings of us doing precisely that. Yep. <laughs> oh. oh, well. Okay. Robbed any graves lately, Kate? <laughs> um, not today. <laughs> now, to make matters worse, Augusta punished him whenever he tried to make friends. And oh. despite his poor social development, Gein did fairly well in school, particularly in reading. Excellent. Now, on April 1st, 1940... Ed Gein's father, George, died of heart failure caused by his alcoholism at the age of 66. Now, Henry and Ed, his brother, began doing odd jobs around town to help cover living expenses. The brothers were generally considered reliable and honest by residents of the community. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbours. He enjoyed babysitting, seeming to relate more easily to children than adults. Mm. Henry began dating a divorced mother of two and planned to move in with her. He worried about his brother's attachment to their mother and often spoke ill of her around Ed, who responded with shock and hurt. Oh. Yeah. Now, May 16th, 1944, Henry and Ed were burning away marsh vegetation on the property. The fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. By the end of the day, the fire having been extinguished and the firefighters gone, Ed reported his brother missing. With lanterns and flashlights, a search party searched for Henry, whose dead body was found lying face down. Apparently, he had been dead for some time and it appeared that the cause of death was heart failure since he had not been burned or injured otherwise. Oh... Mm. That's suspicious. Suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it was later reported by biographer Harold Schechter that Henry had bruises on his head. Now, the police dismissed the possibility of foul play and the county coroner later, later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. The authorities accepted the accident theory, but no official investigation was conducted and an autopsy was not performed. Right. Questioning Ed Gein about the death of Bernice Warden in 1957, state investigator Joe Willemski brought up questions about Henry's death. George W. Art, who studied the case, wrote that, in retrospect, it was possible and likely that Henry's death was the whole Cain and Abel aspect of this case, you know. Okay. Get that old Bible out. 
if you get your bible out you don't know who cain and abel is actually don't do yourself a favor (laughs) throw the bible away (laughs) you can read like a janet ivanovich or something like that get a get a vince flynn book they're good ones all right now gein and his mother were now alone dad's dead henry's dead the brother it's just these two good old barrel of laughs augusta (laughs) now augusta had a paralyzing stroke shortly after henry's death and Gein oh. devoted himself to taking care of her. Wow, okay. Good son, like, seriously. Yeah. No, but I, I've seen this movie too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes place in a motel, and the mum doesn't fare too well by the end of it, but the son takes really good care of her. Now, sometime in 1945, Gein later recounted he and his mother visited a man named Smith who lived nearby to purchase straw. Mm-hmm. Now, according to Gein, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. A woman inside the Smith home came outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. Oh. Now, Augusta was extremely upset by this scene. However, what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality toward the dog, but rather the presence of the woman. What? Now, Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith, so she had no business being there. Smith's harlot, Augusta angrily called her. She had a second stroke soon after and her health deteriorated rapidly. She later died on December 29th, 1945 at the age of 67. Ed was devastated by her death and in the words of author Harold Schechter, he had lost his only friend and one true love, and he was absolutely alone in the world. Mm. Romantic. There's a lot to unpack there, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> so mum's not bothered about um, John Smith beating up this dog. I've just called him John Smith. I don't know if that was his name, but it was more that the there was a the woman who wasn't married to smith came out and was like stop beating the dog yep she was like hey you shut up you harlot that's <laughs> yeah. there's a lot going on there a lot of hatred there yeah all right what did gein do for work now gein held on to the farm and earned money from odd jobs he boarded up rooms and you and you that were used by his mother including the upstairs downstairs parlor and living room leaving right. them completely untouched <clears throat> While the, yeah, now while the rest of the house became increasingly squalid, these rooms remained pristine. Gein lived thereafter in a small room next to the kitchen, and around this time he became interested in reading pulp magazines and adventure stories, particularly those involving cannibals or mm-hmm. Nazi atrocities. Because, you know, yep. mid-40s. I mean, it's the 40s. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, good time for Nazis. <clears throat> Not a good time for anybody else. <laughs> Now, Gein was a handyman and received a farm subsidy from the federal government starting in 1951. He occasionally worked for the local municipal road crew and crop threshing crews in the area. And sometime between 1946 and 1956, he also sold an 80-acre, 32 hectares, parcel of land that his brother Henry had owned. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, now what did... So he's finding some ways to make money. Yeah, he's getting by. He's doing what he's he's got to do. Yeah. You know, but shit gets real, and here we go. Okay, hit me. Now, on the morning of November 16th, 1957, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. 
A Plainfield resident reported that the hardware store's truck had been driven out from the rear of the building at around 9.30am. The hardware store saw few customers the entire day. Some area residents believed this was because of deer hunting season. And Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the store at around 5pm to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Oh, that's not ideal. No, but ideal that your son's Frank Warden, a sheriff. Yeah, that's right, the sheriff. I personally hoped that he would have been the warden of the jail. (laughs) Hello, I'm Warden Warden. This is (laughs) Warden with an O, so yeah. Oh, that's okay. I don't think I can pronounce it any other way. Warden? Warden? Warden. Warden. that's Warden, that's right. No, Warden. Hmm. I'd still want him to be the warden. (laughs) (laughs) Wardy the warden. Warden, warden. Now, Frank Warden told investigators that on the evening before his mother's disappearance, Gein had been in the store and that he was to have returned the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. Yeah, that's normal. Mm. A sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning she disappeared. Now, on the evening of the same day, Gein was arrested at a West Plainfield grocery store and the Washara County Sheriff's Department searched the Gein farm. Don't ever go to someone's farmhouse. Just <laughs> just in general? Yeah. Is that our survival tip for today's I episode? I think it is. Like, Just don't go to people's farmhouses. It's never a pretty sight. It's not ideally. There's death at farms. It's quite common. Yeah. Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah, we're going to paint that. We're going <laughs> to... <laughs> just going to generically tar all of the farms as death houses. The end. I'm sorry, I don't mean to pew pew. <laughs> no, I like it. Did you say pew pew? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favourite things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to pew pew that. Ah, oh, that's great. Um, no, but especially this one where he's boarded up all of the rooms that his mum ever set foot in, and he's sleeping in like you know the broom closet next to the kitchen (laughs) and there's shit everywhere and it's just it's weird so yes his farm 100 percent. don't go there stay away you're not going to find anything good there i'm sure no i'm sure of it i was sure a county sheriff's deputy discovered warden's decapitated body in a shed on gein's property she was hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrists cool the torso was dressed out like a deer and she had been shot with a 22 caliber rifle and the mutilations were made after her death okay now searching the house like we told you not to but they got to <laughs> guys come on warden 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 now searching the house authorities found the following whole human bones and fragments Good. A wastebasket made of human skin. Tick. Human oh. skin covering several chair seats. Great. Skulls Comfy. on his bedposts. Mm-hmm. Female skulls, some with the tops shorn off. Poor. Bowls made from human skulls. Yep. A corset made from a female torso skin from shoulders to waist. Great. Leggings made from human Poor. leg skin. Holy shit. Masks made from the skin of female heads. No. Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag. 
That was the yeah. first victim. <clears throat> just for travel. Just so you can travel with it. Mm-hmm. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Yep. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Yes. Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Gein's potbelly stove. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to cook it and eat it, that's a good place to put it. Mm-hmm. Nine vulva in a shoebox. <gasps> Nine. Nine. A young girl's... Now, dr- <laughs> yes? I'm sorry. Nine. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. That's an un- uh, that's an odd number, correct? Yeah. Like, I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> it's all odd. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but... Don't they come in pairs? <laughs> I, I'm... Probably not the best person to ask on this. I think it is the whole oh, the whole thing. Okay. All right. Just great. I'm really glad I clarified that. Yeah. This is good. This is good. A young girl's dress mm-hmm. and the vulvas of two females judged to have been about 15 years old. Great. Good. A belt made from female human nipples. No. No! <laughs> Thank you, Kate, for making that comment earlier oh, today. Oh, no! I didn't even do it on purpose and it's come back to haunt me. Yep. Oh, my giddy arm. Almost okay. done. What a shopping list. Four noses, Ooh. a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring, yep. a lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and fingernails from female fingers. Great. <clears throat> okay. So they didn't find much no. then. Is that what you're saying? We warned you, don't look. Oh, don't look. Especially at this guy's house. Holy moly. Okay. Do you know what? The first, like, yeah. I mean, just finding the body, I'd be like, I'm out. Like, the body in the, the shed. No, I'd be like, see us. Yeah. Holy gosh. All right. Well, that's the, the worst of it. Okay. All right. Excellent. Now, I have to compose myself. Yeah. Now, these artefacts were photographed at the State Crime Laboratory and then decently disposed of. Mm-hmm. Now, when questioned, Gein told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a daze-like state. Mm-hmm. On about 30 of those visits, he said he came out of the days while in the cemetery, left the grave in good order and returned home empty-handed. On the other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took Mm. the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good for good. Now, Gein admitted to stealing from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Alan Wilaminski of the State Crime Laboratory participated in opening three test graves identified by Gein. The caskets were inside wooden boxes, the top boards ran crossways, not lengthways, and the tops of the boxes were about two feet or 61 centimetres below the surface in sandy soil. Now, Gein had robbed the graves soon after the funerals while the graves were not completed. The test graves were exhumed because authorities were uncertain as to whether the slight Gein was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave during a single evening. 
They were found as Gein described. Two of the exhumed graves were found empty. One had a crowbar in place on the, of, of the body, like in place mm. of the body, and yep. one casket was empty. One casket Gein had failed to open when he lost his pry bar, and most of the body was gone from the third grave. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> okay, Cheryl, you're coming with me. Off we go. She's he's thrown the body over his shoulder, the lifeless corpse dangling around, and then he gets to the next one, digs the hole, and goes, shit, where did I put my crowbar? <laughs> where is that chez? Have you seen my crowbar, Are you it from me? Have you seen that? Oh, imagine that. I left it in the previous grave I robbed. Serves you bloody right, you psychopath. Yep. Now, Gein had returned rings and some body parts, um, you know, out of whatever sense of respect. Yeah, okay. Um, And so, therefore, Gein's confession was largely corroborated. Mm-hmm. Now, soon after his mother's death, Gein began to create a woman suit oh. so that he could become his mother to Great. literally crawl into her skin. Yeah, cool. Now, Gein denied having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining they smelled too bad. Yeah, I've, oh, yeah, you're not going there. No. Now, during straight state crime laboratories interrogation, Gein also admitted to the shooting death of Mary Hogan, the first one, a tavern owner missing since 1954, mm-hmm. whose head was found in his house, but he later denied memory of the details of her death. A 16-year-old youth whose parents were friends of Gein and who had attended ball games and movies with him reported that Gein kept shrunken heads in his house, which Gein had Mm. described as relics from the Philippines sent by a cousin who had served on the islands during World War II. Upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be human facial skins carefully peeled from corpses and used by Gein as masks. Top notch. What a guy. Holy frioli. Now, Gein was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, a lacrosse babysitter. Lacrosse as in the town. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought <laughs> she played lacrosse and she was a babysitter. <laughs> no, she was a lacrosse babysitter. So she babysat for other kids that played lacrosse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to add a little bit of levity because I'm so disgusted by everything that we've been through. It's I'm just really leaning on my coping me- mechanisms right here. Well, it's been a while <laughs> since I've gone in real hard. Oh, I know. And this is a Boom. really good one. As in, there you go. It's, there's something coming that I'm excited to share. Oh, my goodness me. Okay. Now, during questioning, Washoa County Sheriff Art Schley, Schley, Schley? Sheshley? 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 We'll just call it Art. Okay. <clears throat> Reportedly assaulted Gein by banging his head and face into a brick wall. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Sars. Kate. Sars, not Sars. <laughs> now, as a result, Gein's initial confession was ruled inadmissible. No, why? Because they think that it was... Um, coerced. What's that word? Yeah, coerced. Yeah. Okay. Now, Art died of a heart failure at the age of 43 in 1968, just before Gein's trial. No, that's the third heart failure. I know. 
Mm-hmm. And many who knew Art said he was traumatised by the horror of Gein's crimes. Fair. And this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Gein, caused his death. I think that's false. Now, I think he was poisoned. Well, one of, one of Art's friends said he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as he had been butchered by him. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. One way or another. All right, the trial. Now, on November 21st, 1957, Gein was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washora County Court, where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm-hmm. Gein was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, now the Dodge Correctional Institution, a maximum security facility in Warpon, Wisconsin, and later transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, remember, we've done a previous episode on a fella that also dug up corpses. Mm-hmm. And remember, schizophrenia was also a result or, you know, was included yeah, was in the in- story. Yeah. And we did a lot. We talked a lot about how schizophrenia and how reality is very different and, and so on. So, yeah. As serious as all this is, and as much as we, you know, Ed has done some horrific, horrific things, we're not trying to make excuses, but schizophrenia is a real thing and we have to acknowledge that. Sure. Yeah. Now, in 1968, doctors determined Gein was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defence. So therefore, the trial began on November 7th, 1968, so about 11 years later, and it lasted one week. A psychiatrist testified that Gein had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. Gein had told him that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the gun just went off, killing Warden. Yeah, sounds right. Gein testified that after trying to load a bullet into the rifle, it discharged. He said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and did not remember anything else that happened that morning. I just wanted to see if it had worked. Yeah. So I just loaded a bullet into it and then pointed it at the woman and then pulled the trigger and for some reason she got shot. Yep. It's so weird. Now, at the request of the defence, Gein's trial was held without a jury with Judge Robert H. Golmer presiding. Now, Gein was found guilty by Golmer on November 14th. A second trial dealt with Gein's sanity, and after testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defence, Golmer ruled Gein not guilty by reason of insanity and ordered him committed to Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. Mm. Gein spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital, Judge Golmer wrote, due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, murder, and that was Mrs. Warden. He also admitted, though, to killing Mary Hogan. Mm. I, yeah, okay. Okay. So, what happened to Gein's property? Oh, yeah. The house. Who would want to live there? Now, Gein's house. At the worst museum in the state. Yes. <laughs> we told you all not to go there. <laughs> we told you not to go there. Now, Gein's house and 195-acre property were upraised at $4,700 or equivalent to $44,000. What? The whole lot of it? Yep. Oh, 
Okay. His possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958, amidst rumours that the house and the land it stood on might become a tourist attraction. Yeah, of course. Which is very fair. Yeah. Early on the morning of March 20th, the house was destroyed by fire. <gasps> a deputy fire marshal reported that a garbage fire had been set 75 feet from the house by a cleaning crew who were given mm. the task of disposing of refuse. That hot coals were recovered from the spot of the bonfire, but that the fire did not spread along the ground from that location to the house. And then those cleaners died of heart failure. <laughs> yes, Kate. <laughs> I'm just imagining that auction. I'm going back to you saying his stuff was auctioned off. <laughs> oh, our next lot is this lovely lamp made of ladies' skin. <laughs> uh, starting off at $10. Anyone? $10. Wait, <laughs> no thank you. Now, lo and behold, arson was suspected, but the cause of the fire was never officially determined. It is possible that the fire was not considered a matter of urgency by Fire Chief Frank Warden, the son. Stop it. He's the fire chief now? As well. Isn't he the sheriff for five minutes? Oh, he is as well. Yeah. Oh, it's a small town, of course. And he's also the warden of the prison, yeah. I hope. Okay, so he's like, don't worry about it. The old gain house is on fire. Do you know what, guys? Just take a seat, crack another beer. You know, Let it go. Just let it go. Now, when Gein learned of the incident while in detention, he shrugged and said, eh, just as well. <laughs> yeah, fair. What am I going to do? Yep. I'm here forever, apparently. <laughs> I need a house. Now, Gein's 1949 Ford sedan, which he used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at public auction for $760, equivalent to $7,100 today. That's so cheap. To a carnival sideshow operator called Bunny Gibbons. And Gibbons... Oh, bun, bun. Yeah. Gibbons charged carnival goers 25 cents for admissions to see it. That's pretty good. Mm. Good on you, Bunny. Now, Gein died at the Mendota Mental Health Institute due to respiratory failure, not oh heart God, failure. Oh, my God, not heart failure. <laughs> Secondary <laughs> to lung cancer on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77. Mm. Over the years, souvenir seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery until the stone itself was stolen in 2000. It was recovered in June 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and was placed in storage at the Washoa County Sheriff's Department. The gravesite itself is now unmarked but not unknown. Gein mm. is interred between his parents and brother in the cemetery. Okay, so you've got, we've got the brother and then mum and then nothing here. Don't worry about this empty spot that looks awfully like a place we could put a grave and then papa. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so why did I tell you this horrific story, oh, Kate? Oh my God, I'd love to know because I'm going to, I'm supposed to eat dinner in, in 45 minutes. And I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I love you. <laughs> I mean, the story's called Butcher of Plainfield, so... Oh, that's so true. I should have picked up on that. The reason oh. is because for those li those listeners that don't know Kate and I and our history, I obviously have a very big thing for horror film and, mm -hmm. you know, horrors from all different decades and... Movies like Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all these horror classics are just mm -hmm. 
they're just a huge part of who I am and I just love them. Um, so I thought I would go down the rabbit hole of finding out the truth behind all these amazing films. So, oh my God, this is a surprise and it is a treat. Annie, I am only just unwrapping the first little layer because this is not the only story I've got to tell. It's the only one I'm telling in this episode, but I have okay. opened the up. The tip of the iceberg. The uh, Yeah, the tip of the iceberg of all the true stories that have inspired all of our favourite horror films. Mine. Yes. Now, Gein's story has had a lasting effect on American pop culture as evident by its numerous appearances in film, music and literature. Mm, it's had a lasting effect on my bowels also. Yes. So that is great. The tale first came to widespread public attention in the fictionalised version presented by Robert Bloch in his 1959 suspense novel Psycho. In addition to Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film of Bloch's novel, Psycho, Gein's story was loosely adapted into numerous films, including Deranged in 1974, In the Light of the Moon, 2000, and it was also known as Ed Gein as another film in 2001, Ed Gein, The Butcher of Plainfield in 2007, Ed Gein, The Musical in 2010. Stop it. And the Rob Zombie films House of a Thousand Corpses and its sequel The Devil's Rejects. Gein also served as the inspiration for a myriad of fictional serial killers, most notably Norman Bates, Mm -hmm. Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Yes. Buffalo Bill, The Silence of the Lambs, and the character Dr. Oliver Threadson in the TV series American Horror Story Asylum. So much content from this one psychopath. Right. Now, the song Young God from the Swans EP of the same name is told from Gein's perspective. American filmmaker Errol Morris and German filmmaker Werner Herzog, which everyone should know, attempted Mm -hmm. unsuccessfully to collaborate on a film project about Gein from 1975 to 1976. Morris interviewed Gein several times and ended up spending almost a year in Plainfield interviewing dozens of locals. The pair planned to secretly to exhume Gein's mother from her grave to test a theory but never followed through on the scheme and eventually ended their collaboration. The aborted project described in 1989 New Yorker profile of Morris. Now, the character Patrick Bateman in the 1991 novel American Psycho and its 2000 film adaptation mistakenly attributes a quote by Edmund Kemper to Gein saying, you know what Ed Gein said about women? He said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet and treat her right. The other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. There's been bands. Marilyn Manson's done music about it. There's in Slayer's album, there's songs. Like, Gein is this, for whatever reason, not that what he did is not horrible or, or noteworthy, but... yeah. He has, for whatever reason, just turned into this person that's inspired so much. 
so much art right and it just i just thought you know i wanted to go back and find out what's the truth behind a lot of these films and you know yeah, a lot of, of it's bullshit and there's a lot of creativity and imagination that's added but that's into okay. it but it's it makes you think though what's the difference between this guy and all the other serial killers and psychos and okay i did not i i haven't even heard of this person so i'm learning all of this stuff this is so good that i've seen a majority of the you know films and heard a majority of the songs and all of that sort of stuff that you just mentioned but had no clue of i never looked into what it was you know based off or inspired by or mm, oh yeah. okay where it all There's came so from and i mean something like i'm sorry whether you like it or not psycho is absolutely groundbreaking for cinema for oh, lots of things it phenomenal you all need to go read about it because how it was done and what they did and and, and everything as a film, as a novel, as everything, it's really quite game-changing um, yeah. why we keep going back back to it. But, yeah, so Ed Gein is just the first of a series of uh, stories, Kate, that I'm going to introduce you to of these people that have inspired at least film the way that you and I know it and what we were brought up it. on. So I have, yes. I have two more people to introduce you to. Over Woo-hoo! the next few weeks, and I'm going to leave it a complete surprise on who oh, they I'm are. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm not even going to look at the episode titles. Like, I did not look at the episode title today, <laughs> and so I had no idea what we were talking about. I just turned up for the ride, and what a ride that was. Yeah. I am so excited. And that is the end of Edward Theodore Gein, and let's never talk about his crimes ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That was awesome, Dom. I loved that story. I mean, I hated it, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you'll you think back now, every time you watch a film, you'll be like, oh, I can see where a bit of that's come from. Like, it's there's a lot of inspiration, sadly, from Gein. Yeah. But, um, Wowee, yeah. but what art? I mean, I could talk about Psycho for a whole episode yeah happily yeah uh yeah that's one of my favorite films of all time hands down i've never seen texas chainsaw massacre (laughs) i have been told by you mostly that it's probably one of the scariest movies ever made um it might be topped now i don't know i'm not again i say to everybody i don't really watch a lot of scary movies but i have seen a lot of scary movies i think because people say no you just you need to see it like it's a really good film if it's a good film no worries if it's just gory or just you know doing it for the jump scares or whatever no but if it all makes sense and ties in then I'll 100% watch it because I love movies but oh okay I would not recommend watching it it's it's I don't think it's it's it can't be compared or spoken about in the same category as Psycho okay it's not so well done you know, like psycho is what breaks my little heart is that i did uh i teach um film studies i teach media and i did i do a suspense unit with my kids um usually in year nine or ten so you know 15 16 year olds and i have two films that i'll usually pick depending on how i sort of gauge where the, you know, the level of the kids is at mm. whether they've seen films before if they haven't or you know Usually a lot of them are like, yeah, what's your favourite movie? Yeah, Fast and the Furious 5. I'm like, well, that's not really a film. So we'll move on to something that's, you know, something that's cinematic and decent. And uh, yeah. And so the two movies that I choose are Psycho and Misery. Yeah. And those are my two favourites in terms of sort of suspense and all of that. And when I show Psycho to the kids, they're like, oh, this is boring. It's in black and white. 
And it just, I'm like, can you, you just need to stop. You need to just watch it. But it is really challenging to get a 15, 16 year old across the line to understand the magic that is Psycho because it is so, it's so, it was created in an era that was, it was so particular and it's so creative and it's art. Like it's an actual art piece. Yeah. It's not designed to be like flashy and CGI and all that. It's all handmade. It's all, oh yeah. I could literally talk about it for a whole episode, but I just hope that there's 15, 16 year olds, you know, out there that have seen Psycho, have been forced to watch it by me. And then years later they go, actually I did this in media and watch it again and go, oh, now I get it. Now I get why. <laughs> Miss Wilco was so, so annoyed right. at me <laughs> and she was so bothered that we hated this movie, but now I get it. That's all I can hope for. It will. It, it is that good. Yeah. And they are the only two films, Psycho and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for two very different reasons that they've ever actually inflicted or set off a panic attack or, you know, such terror in me for two oh, really? very different reasons, but they are the only two films that have ever had that That's effect awesome. on me so yeah when i found the story of again i had to share it and oh that was so great i loved it i really truly loved every second of that to you know in a morbid sense yeah. <laughs> thank you so much dom i cannot wait so are you gonna do these as like a a series ongoing or are we gonna have to wait or i think i might dot them here and there because okay. they are quite confronting story quite heavy okay <laughs> and yeah i get that can only do so many of them so often. And every time I've, I've introduced a series of stories like this and we've just gone <laughs> one after the other, we, we do get a yeah. bit fatigued. So I'll pepper them here and there. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, I can't wait to do an epi next week for you all. Um, another shout out to Jessica, our latest patron. Thank you for subscribing to our fun. And if you are a patron as well, Dom has just released our bonus content, our bonus episode, which is our take on uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment, which if you haven't listened to that episode of our podcast, uh, you should go back and do that. And then if you want to hear us review the film of it, uh, which was very funny, I laughed. <laughs> I really, truly laughed. Uh, it was really fun. And it's like a cute little bite size. It's like a 25-minute epi and it's bonus and it'll only cost you four dollars 50 cents exactly go and get it go and sign up for it sign up keep yourself busy there's always cool stuff coming your way yes i love it and make sure you jump on our socials because we're doing reels and stuff now we're trying to join the 21st century um says us on a podcast which is so 21st century and on our <laughs> tiki tockies yeah yes and our tiki tockies um and instagram as usual we're also on facebook but that's neither here nor there yeah <laughs> um, we like the reels and stuff so we're doing that it's more fun yeah. Yeah. Get on board. All right. We love you all. Love you and too. I love you, Dom. I love you, Kate. Thanks for ah. powering through with that. Uh, that was wonderful. And I can't wait to hear your story next week. So see you then. Yay. See you then. Love you. Bye. 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 <laughs> That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.